today. I'm glad to see anybody today. Have you noticed the rain out there? I mean, look around. These are the people you'll see in heaven right here. This is it, okay? And we want to welcome those worshiping with us online today, too, because I don't blame you if you didn't want to get out. At least you're worshiping with us one way or the other, so we're glad to have you. I used to have a friend. He, he's gone to heaven now. He served the First Methodist Church in Ozark, Alabama. In the summer, you would say, how's attendance this summer? He would say, it's up and down. It's up at the lake and down at the beach. That's where it is. And so today, you know, it's raining. It's raining outside. We wanted that front to go through yesterday. It didn't just quite work out, did it? But it's all going to go through today. Somebody asked me after the last service if I could do anything to make it stop raining so they could leave the service. I said, yeah. Just stick around. About 2 o'clock, it'll just dry up. You can go on home then. Just just have a little coffee. Get a snack. Come to the next service. Have a good time. You, you'll be able to leave then. I think maybe the Lord was trying to get them to go to Sunday school, don't you? That's what I'm going to go with anyway, okay? Well, listen, I want to read the scripture to you during this season of Advent. You can follow along with me. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. Now, this is the same scripture we used last week, and we talked about how God spoke through the Christmas angel to Joseph to let him know what to name the baby Jesus. And isn't that interesting that God, of course, named the baby? Have you ever thought about that? <clears throat> Have you ever thought if you're a parent, you know, I've got names that I want to give my children. But what if God said to you, I know you had this in mind, but I want you to name your baby this. What would you do? Would you be faithful to that? Or would you say, well, you know, we have a family name and, and I want to use that family name. Because God has a plan, and he wants to work through that plan. And so sometimes he might impress upon you the name to give. I'll never forget the first time that Laura and I adopted a child. We adopted two daughters, one at a time. And I went to the school to get Laura. They had just called me. It was a Monday morning. I was just trying to wake up after Sunday. And they called and said, come get your baby. And so we went to, I went to the school, and, and Laura saw me. And she ran to the door, and she said, What's the matter? Have I got the checkbook? Because back then, <laughs> you know, you had a checkbook. You didn't have debit cards, and you didn't have cell phones. I know, I know. It was right after the earth cooled, but that's the way it was back then. It was a long time ago, okay, because Elizabeth is 31 now. And, and I said, let's go get our baby. And she went into a trance, 
And I've never seen her like that. And she just went and picked up her purse, and thank God there was a woman there helping her in the classroom with the children because she just said, I'm going to get my baby, and she just walked out. And she went to the principal's office, and she's the kind of person that would not go into the principal's office ever. She would just say, I'll just wait till I run into her and talk to her then. I don't want to bother her. And she went past the receptionist, past the assistant principal. Walked, the door was shut. She walked right into the principal's office, and she said, I'm going to get my baby, and she walked back out. And I'll never forget what the principal said. She looked at me, and she said, you know, you're not the first Joseph to adopt a baby. And I said, you know, she's right. I hadn't thought about that. So you think about Joseph, and I can relate to Joseph because I know a little bit about that and what's that like, and, and God says, here's the name, and, and so they go and they're faithful. But for many ways, Joseph is the forgotten man of Christmas. Let me show you what I mean. They were having a Christmas pageant at church in a small town in the Midwest, and the children were in the program, and a doctor's wife was directing it, and she had worked so hard with the children she was anxious for her husband to see the Christmas play. But Murphy's Law was at work. Two things happened that she had not counted on the night of the big performance. First, her husband, who was a doctor, got a phone call, and he was called away to the hospital to do emergency surgery on a patient. Second, she received a phone call saying that the little boy who was supposed to play the part of Joseph in the play had come down with the flu, and of course, he could not play his part. So in the tradition of the theater, she thought the show must go on. The director that she was, she scrambled to put everything together to see what she might do, and she came to this conclusion. All the other children had learned their parts, and they all had their costumes ready, it was too late to find another Joseph, so the only answer was to do the play without Joseph. It went off well. The children performed perfectly. The audience loved it, gave them a standing ovation. It was a great night. Later that evening, the doctor came back from the hospital, back from doing emergency surgery, which went well, and he said to his wife, Honey, I'm sorry I missed the play. How did it go? She said it was fantastic. The children were wonderful. Everybody loved it. In fact, she said, they've asked me to direct it again next year. But what about Joseph, the doctor asked. How did you handle that? Well, she said, we just did it without him. And amazingly, nobody missed him. Nobody noticed that he wasn't there. Not one person realized it. Can you imagine that? They did a Christmas play and they left Joseph out and nobody noticed. If you think about it, it's easy for us to forget all about Joseph. We can learn a lot from his faith, but over the years we've ignored him many times. I'll have to confess that I've rarely mentioned Joseph in the Christmas story. In all the sermons and devotionals and meditations I've given since I began my ministry so long ago, I, I have to confess that somehow often I've overlooked him. 
Of course, there's the Christ child. We all talk about the Christ child. He, of course, is the main message of Christmas. And the other characters, we talk about the faith of Mary and the shepherds and the wise men and the star and the manger and the stable and the angels. We even talk about the innkeeper. But somehow through the years, Joseph has been ignored. Mentioning only in passing, Joseph is indeed the forgotten man of Christmas. And so we have to research Joseph to learn what we can about him. And here's what we find. We see that Joseph had a great faith. We see that Joseph was a person of sensitivity. We see that Joseph was a man of kindness and compassion. Joseph had courage and commitment. Joseph followed the obedience to the will of God. And he had a greater impact on Christian thought than we ever realized. We can learn from him about his faith. Remember last week we read this same scripture and we focused on the naming of the Christ child and how Joseph named Jesus the name that God told him to through the angel. Today we focus on Joseph. Remember the story with me. Joseph was a carpenter in Nazareth when he encountered a tremendously difficult problem. He was jolted by the news that his, his fiancée Mary was expecting a child before he had known her intimately as his wife. And Joseph, of course, was crushed. But he loved Mary. He didn't want to hurt her, and he didn't want to embarrass her. And he agonized over how to handle the situation. As he struggled with the problem, he turned to God, and God gave him the answer. He said to him through the angel, Joseph, don't be afraid. Go ahead and take Mary as your wife. It is the Holy Spirit who has given new life within her. The child is of God, and it's God's will that she bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so we see that immediately Joseph obeyed. He took Mary as his wife, and when she bore a son, he named him Jesus. Now, other than what we've just talked about in Scripture, there's very little we know about Joseph. We know that he did take his family to Egypt to protect them from the wrath of Herod, the king of Judah. He was threatened by this talk of a newborn king, and he wanted to kill the child. We know that later when Herod died, Joseph brought his family back to Nazareth, back to the carpentry shop. We know from Scripture that when Joseph came with his family each year to Jerusalem, he attended the feast of the Passover. We know from the gospel writers that, that uh, do not mention him after the beginning of Jesus' ministry that he was no longer living. We know at the crucifixion that Jesus asked his disciple John to take care of his mother, showing us probably that she was a widow by this time and that Joseph had gone to heaven. And now that Mary was a widow, that's about all we know. Although we don't know a lot about Joseph, what we do know is impressive because Joseph was a man of faith and obedience and love. There are three lessons we can learn from him today. Let's look at them. First, there's the lesson of perseverance. Bless his heart. With the help of God, he was able in a tough situation to hang in there. Joseph refused to quit. He didn't throw in the towel. 
He didn't run out on Mary. What did he do? He trusted God. He obeyed God. He went forward one day at a time, one step at a time, doing one thing at a time. He did his best, and he trusted God for the rest. Let me tell you something about what happened in Cleveland, Ohio years ago. There was a woman there by the name of Georgine Johnson. And when she turned 40, she decided it would be a good idea to begin running and exercising. She had a good attitude about it, and she went out and she started doing just that. She ran a little bit further each day, first a mile, then two miles, then three miles, then four. She decided she would enter a little competition, a 10K race. It was a little over six miles. She was nervous about her first race. She got up early. She made her way downtown to Cleveland, and she was surprised to see hundreds of people there preparing for the race, stretching and getting ready. All of a sudden, over the microphone, they heard, move to the starting line. And she thought to herself, this is it. And then the gun sounded, and they were off like a huge wave, hundreds of runners sweeping her up. And her heart pounded with excitement, and she was in a race, her first race. And after about four miles, though, she began to think to herself, why aren't they turning around? We're supposed to run about halfway and then turn around and run back the other half to make our 10K. She wondered why they didn't, so she stopped and she asked an official, how come they're still running ahead on this course? Why haven't they turned around? If they don't turn around soon, it's going to be a lot more than six miles. The official looked at her and he said, ma'am, you obviously don't know it, but you are in the Cleveland Marathon. It's over 26 miles long. Her race, the 10K, the six-mile race, was supposed to start 30 minutes after the marathon started. Now, let me ask you a question. What would you have done in that situation? Well, I can tell you what most of us would have done. If you're like me, you would have stopped right there and said, that's it, I'm quitting, I'm going home. But to Georgine Johnson's credit, she kept on running, and she finished the race. Here's what she was saying in her mind. This is not the race I trained for. This is not the race I entered. But for better or worse, this is the race I am in, and I'm not going to quit. And if you stop and think about it for just a moment, isn't that really what Joseph said when he found out that Mary was expecting? This is not the race I trained for. This is not the race I entered. This is not what I counted on, but this is the race that I am in, and I refuse to quit. I'm going to keep running this race one step at a time, and I'm going to ask God to see me through. Now, let me ask you a question. When life gets hard, what do you do? Do you give up? Do you swear? Do you lash out in hostility? Do you try to find someone else to blame? Do you give in to bitterness? Do you throw up your hands and run away? Do you hide behind some illness? Do you drug yourself? Do you quit on life? Or, or do you keep running one step at a time, holding on to God with both hands? 
That's what Joseph did. And in so doing, he taught us a great lesson. He taught us the lesson of perseverance. The second lesson we learned from Joseph is the lesson of trust. It was a very confusing time for him. It was a perplexing and troublesome situation. But in spite of it all, Joseph just kept trusting God. There was a Christmas card that came out a few years ago, and it was very popular. It looked like any other traditional Christmas card that you would normally see. It was taken from a print of a 15th century painting by an Italian artist. It was the manger scene on that silent, holy night long ago. But if you look at it closer, this Christmas card reveals something different from all other Christmas cards. Mary and the Christ child are in the center of the card, and they're portrayed there. The shepherds are on the side. The townspeople are coming to see the baby Jesus. The animals are scattered all around. Everyone in the painting is looking at the baby Jesus, everyone except Joseph. And Joseph is in the background, and he has this look on his face looking up to the heavens, this quizzical look, and he's scratching his head. I would imagine that scratching your head back then meant the same thing that it does today. It means, I don't get it. What in the world is going on here? What's happening? What does this mean? The great thing about Joseph is that even though he didn't understand everything that was going on that first Christmas, nevertheless, he accepted it. He welcomed it. He even celebrated it. Even though he was bewildered by all of it, he trusted God and embraced Christmas, and he welcomed the Christ child into his arms and into his heart that day. So can we. So should we. We're like Joseph. We can't possibly comprehend the full meaning of Christmas. Christmas comes to us all wrapped up in mystery and wonder and awe, And we can't master the fullness of Christmas in our hearts and minds. But the good news is we don't have to. Like Joseph, all we have to do is trust God and embrace Christmas and celebrate Christmas and welcome the Christ child into our lives and open our hearts and arms to him. Joseph's response that first Christmas teaches us the lesson of perseverance and of trust. And then third and finally, it teaches us the lesson of faithfulness. Joseph was faithful to Mary. He was faithful to God. And he was faithful to God's command in his life. There's a great story of a Broadway play that was taking place, and it was the opening night. One of the actors who was playing a small part developed laryngitis and would not be able to perform that night. Since there was some time before the play was going to take place, the man who was the producer of the play was also an uncle who had a nephew that lived in Los Angeles. He knew that his nephew loved to act and thought he might want to be in a Broadway play. And so he contacted him and he said, listen, this is your chance. If you can get to New York tonight, you can be in this play. You only have one line. It begins at the very beginning of the play. All you have to say is this, hark, I hear a lion roar. The nephew said, that's it. His uncle said, that's it. And so he said, I'll be there. 
the nephew grabbed a plane of a flight to New York, and all the way there he rehearsed his line over and over and over again. Hark, I hear a lion roar. When he got to the airport, now he's on his way in the cab, making his way to the theater, and he's practicing the various ways he can say this one line. Hark, I hear a lion roar. Hark, I hear a lion roar over and over again. He arrives at the theater just in time. Quickly, they take him, they get him into costume, they put makeup on him, they position him front and center on stage. The lights dim. The audience becomes totally quiet. The curtain goes up and you hear a mighty lion roar. Whereupon the would-be thespian said, what in the world was that? <laughs> he just had one line and he blew it, right? But you know, when it came time for Joseph to name that baby Jesus, he got his line right, didn't he? He said, his name shall be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I love that the most about Joseph is that he gave God a good name. When Jesus grew up and he said, if you want to know what God is like, he's like a loving heavenly father. Jesus' experience with Joseph must have been a positive one. He looked at Joseph, and, and he saw him as a loving father. He didn't say he's a harsh judge. He didn't say he's a tough taskmaster. He said he's like a faithful follow, father who will always be there to protect us and to help us and to secure, support us and forgive us and to encourage us, to understand us and to save us. What a tribute to Joseph. Jesus called God Father. It was a good image in his mind. Jesus felt Joseph's love, and he felt his faithfulness. And he said, you know, God, he's just like a loving heavenly father. What great lessons we can learn from this guy so often ignored. Lessons of perseverance, trust, and faithfulness. Let's pray. Oh, God, we thank you. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the characters in it. We thank you for the way that you teach us lessons all the time from what your word teaches us. The, this love letter that you've written us, it, it helps us understand things in a new way. No matter how many times we read it, it's always new and fresh. There's always something we've missed. There's always a nugget that you have for us to help us know you better, to understand you, because that letter that you wrote us is so that we might know you, so that we might love you, and so that we might embrace you and follow you faithfully. And so, Father, we're thankful. We're thankful that you give us that opportunity. We're thankful that you love us enough to care that you've given us your word, that you've given us other Christian people to encourage us. Lord, we're grateful for the way that you surround us and protect us with your love. We're grateful for the way that you bless our lives and draw us closer to you. And Father, we're grateful for a church family. We're grateful for the Woodlawn Church family. And Lord, we thank you that we get to play a role and other people get to play a role that affect the lives of others. And Lord, we want to do that faithfully. And we pray that you would help us to, to do just that. In Jesus' name we pray. 
And all God's children said, Amen. Now, before I leave, I want to share something with you because it goes hand in hand with what I just talked about. This last Sunday, just at the end of the service, when we were still singing, one of the members of the church came up to me. I was standing over there at the door. And he said, listen, that family, we dedicated those four children today to God. They're all four from one family. And the extended family, were, they were here. The grandparents were here too. He said, I have a burden for that. We need to pray for that family this week. And so I went to staff meeting Monday morning, and I told the staff, I said, listen, we need to pray for this family. We don't know why, but, but there's something going to happen. We need to lift them up. And so we did. All week we started praying for them. In the middle of the week, we got a text, and it was from the mom of the four children who were up here last week. And this is what she told us, that her mom, the grandmother of those four children, her appendix burst, ruptured this past week, and she had to have emergency surgery at the hospital. And if you know her, she drove herself to the hospital. You know, she's also a runner. I thought about her when I told this story. I'm surprised she didn't just run to the hospital. But she drove herself there. She's recuperating. She's out of the hospital now, but she's still got some treatment. That's a big deal for that to occur. But she's doing well, and she'll be fine. Isn't that amazing? So when we got that message, I texted, I called. I called the, the daughter, the mom of the four children, and I said, hey, I just want to tell you that one of the church members came up to me and he said, I got a burden for this family. We need to pray for them. We've been praying for y'all all week. We didn't know why. Now we know why, but we've already been praying for you. And they were so grateful. And, and I could hear the grandmother back there and she was saying, thank you. And then she said, keep praying, okay? Because, you know, she's, she's still got a ways to go to get well, but we will. I said, we will, we'll keep praying. So I'm gonna tell you her name and I'm gonna ask you to pray for her because that's what the church family does for one another, right? She attends this service, and her name is Teresa Lucas. So please remember her in your prayers, and thank God that she's doing well today. Amen?